Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am Pete, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is going to hurt. Tonight's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode 202, entitled Heavy in the Head, is brought to you by Kung Pao Chicken. Kung Pao Chicken, make sure you get yourself an order of fortune cookies along with that. Yum. Pete, there's a Kung Pao, actually a double Kung Pao in in kind of Marvel Cinematic News. First of all, in ratings news, some info about last week's episode from TV by the Numbers, that venerable source. Uh, To quote them, ABC's Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. opener went up to 8.9 million viewers. That's plus 48%. Um, This is in the uh, live plus three numbers. So, you know, if you're watching it uh, in any way within the uh, the first three days. Um, And that's a 3-2 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is up 52%. Uh, TV by the numbers notes that Shields Live Plus Three gains were much bigger than last year's, um, and this was a bigger playback lift than its CBS competition. Um, and in fact, Shield moved up to moved up to tie um, NCIS New Orleans with a three-two rating in that eighteen to forty-nine demo. Um, Shield delivered a bigger lift than any of its Tuesday drama competitors in that key demographic. So. Live numbers are most loved, but live plus three is what they definitely look at as a serious, you know, as a serious number. If Shield is going to pull a three-two for the rest of the season, I'll see it for a season three renewal and a season four renewal. I mean, that's awesome news, Pete. Listen, you know, spoiler Pete might be a member of Hydra here, but he speaks the truth. And uh, these are healthy, robust numbers been saying it along all along i'll say it again this show is going nowhere um it will continue to be on this year it will be on next year it will be on in a fourth season too much is vested here the the big risk was putting it out in the first place and being able to connect it to a captain america and and now we're just slingshotting through this so these are very good signs i would encourage listeners however watch it live you can dvr it i do both i watch it live i'm doing the notes i do the live tweet i dvr it i go back and watch it matt i know you went back and watched it this week um yeah do all that uh you want to support the show and and keep it healthy but as things are it's very good particularly uh running against a a uh, a pilot of um you know ncis um or no csi ncis nolans yeah it's confusing it's acronym and place on (laughs) cbs is basically that's that's a show that's being pitched acronym place (laughs) Uh, this pilot season uh look for acronym colon place uh i'm pretty sure scott Bayo is attached at this point uh as as uh some guy but um these these are good numbers we welcome them let's let's keep them coming uh but but impressive that up against a pilot a premiere of that which you tend to get the bigger if not biggest uh audience of a uh a show's run that shield held its own in this new time slot which was important as well 
Pete, speaking of guys entering new shows, um, finally some official news today, September 30th. It was officially announced Dominic Cooper will play Howard Stark in Agent Carter. This after what the Hollywood Reporter called prolonged negotiations. Sounds like uh, Mr. Cooper was playing some real hardball with Marvel that does not like hardball, particularly when it comes to paying people the money. So welcome aboard, Howard Stark. And he got it. You you heard it here before. Uh, Haley Atwell had tweeted it, maybe out of turn, but officially confirmed here. We uh, talked a little bit about it in the two weeks uh, run up to the Agents of Shield, uh, Shield season two premiere. But good to have him in the fold and a welcome addition. Looking forward to, uh, you know, re. Um, you know, reacquainting their banter between, uh, you know, Peggy Carter and uh, Stark's pop, at least that incarnation of Stark's pop, because the other incarnation of Stark's pop is in the Ant-Man movie. <laughs> you might think it's confusing. I think it's all going to work out just fine. It's great. It's great that they can have that continuity and that we don't need to, you know, involve a third actor playing <laughs> you know, one guy. Uh, Pete, speaking of continuity, uh, when Agent Carter does hit the airwaves, we, of course, will be doing an Agent Carter podcast by Fantastic Geek. If you listen to us by way of the uh, Pop Culture Podcast feed, it will be simulcast there. You're already signed up. You're already good to go. If you're listening to us on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, you might want to head over right now on iTunes to uh, sign up for the Agent Carter podcast by Fantastic Geek. Feed, which right now just has a little uh, teaser episode. Uh, we'll probably, you know, add to that maybe once or twice between now and uh, the end of the calendar year ahead of uh, the kind of official Agent Carter podcast kickoff. So uh, head over there now. All part of the uh, family PH of podcasts by Fantastic Geek. Get on that. Indeed. With that, Pete, shall we move on? Yes. Let's get to our debrief. Okay, where well, we catch you up on what went down here, our teaser directly from last week, uh, car wreckage. Okay, Hunter, Lance Hunter moving around. There's a dead Idaho next to him. Um, Isabel Hartley, uh, played for us by uh, Xena actress Lucy Lawless, is quote unquote dead. Or is she, Matt? What do the numbers from the poll on FantasticGeek.com reveal? Yes, we do like to put up polls every now and then on uh, FantasticGeek.com. This one, quite split. Uh, the choices were, or the question was, will she be back this season? The choices were, yes, alive ne next week. Nope, fried like a toaster. Yes, but she'll only return in flashbacks. Nope, but she'll be in a future season. And then, yep, she'll be back uh, later in this uh, season uh, split right down the middle 50% said nope fried like a toaster uh, hopefully you all get that reference if not better you know check your geek cred there um, and then the other half saying yes she'll be back later in the season and Pete we also had two comments one was I think she'll be back next week but not still alive I think she'll be dead but they will make her better since it's a comic book based uh, since it's comic book based that's a thing and then somebody else said two simple words Lady Modoc. <laughs> okay. Um, 
we can announce, and it was just announced, that Lucy Lawless will be attending uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, no specific mention whether she would be with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. Uh, I don't think it would be going out on a limb to say that she might, but I'm not going to go out on that limb. I guess we'll see. I mean, if if she walks out there before they screen the episode, which would be probably... Matt, you know they're epi- screening an episode already? I know they're screening an episode, absolutely. I've uh, Look, Pete, you might be a spoiler, Pete. I can do, you know, a, a deep web, dark internet you know, background search. They will be screening an episode at uh, at um, New York Comic Con. I don't see you at the Hydra meetings. Well, that you know what, Pete? There's another way. There is another way. I, I'm Team Agents of Shield. I have the badge and everything. Well, with Hartley's fate, let's say uh, murky at this point, not completely decided. Uh, Hunter uh, tells May. Uh, that the absorbing man has made off with the 084, the obelisk, and she gives chase on her motorcycle. Okay. And uh, Lance Hunter is promptly captured by the army under the command of Brigadier General Glenn Talbot. Good reminder, by the way, it's not General Nathan Petrelli. It is not. It is not. I know you're struggling a little bit with that. Your familiarity with him from uh, some other show about some other heroes. Indeed. The greatest single season of television followed by three seasons of manure. Yes. Uh, Act one of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tonight. Uh, Coulson calls off a reluctant May. Okay. And then we have Sky and Trip bringing the uh, reappropriated cloaking Quinjet back to uh, the uh, playground headquarters that uh, Shield, that Coulson's uh, tiny splinter group here has taken up at. Um, Coulson reveals he wants to get the bus operational again, which plays into the end of the episode. Our or tag scene, if you will. Yeah, there's so much going on in this episode, and, and something I'm going to repeat again and again. There, there are parts of this episode that either are tying up loose threads that weren't addressed last week, or just within the internal, uh, the internal story of this episode are kind of in a very sly way propelling you forward. Particularly, you know, a lot of the the, the cloaking stuff, and um, there's reference later on to. Uh, Fitz kind of half mumbling something about cloaking and also sound, um, and it's all stuff that kind of comes to play later. Pete, it's a shrewdly constructed episode where there's kind of a lot at play, but you don't necessarily you're not necessarily aware that it's it's um, building towards something or spending a ton of time referring back. It just does, and it just achieves those things. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of forward movement at the same time. You know, we get necessary exposition, but not in a way that is, okay, let me stop and tell you about this thing. It's it's never pedantic. And I really appreciated that with the pace of this episode. Um, the hour flew. One exception to that statement, Pete, when there's the discussion, the first discussion where it's um, Mac and some other characters, maybe it's... Um... 
That would be sky. Trip and and, trip and Sky. sky. Yeah. It, there, it's slightly forced where it's like, so Simmons, can't believe she left. <laughs> totally shocked. It, it was... She abandoned yeah. us. She ab yeah. Us here. Yeah. She went there. It, again, it was about five seconds worth. It was just kind of like, boy, oh boy, there. this is pure exposition. Whereas later on, they do a better job. And like we've said before... There's no way around that. We don't do that in real life, but we need that fed to us, particularly when we watch this show for an hour out of 24 hours a day times seven. You know, I mean, we all have busy lives, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a function. I'm not hammering the show too hard on that fact. It was just, it's so elegant when you just hide it in the course of normal conversation. Yes. Um, and when you don't, it's just a little rough edge, but whatever. Not wild about what I'm calling stealthy sky, you know, in the black suit and the hair's kind of back a little bit. I, I, I liked my my season one sky. I liked not naive, you know, in that she she's again blindsided by by Ward, who we didn't get in this episode. Pete, how does that make you feel not seeing your hydropal Ward in this episode? Well, I mean, I see enough of him, you know, at the meetings and and outside of this this show. So, you know, it was it was okay. I I do think an opportunity that then an hour goes by that we don't get the great uh, fellow Ivy Leaguer uh, Brett Dalton, you know, on the screen it is, you know, it's a missed opportunity. Pete, will we still see Ward coming home in episode seven? By episode seven, he will run a mission for these agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Bold it's just, prediction. It's just, it's it's the reality, Matt. I guess so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not wild at this point about this incarnation of Sky. And I think that is kind of what you're referring to in, in you know, the delivery and the inclusion of that scene you know she's good with the calm techie end, not so much with the this is out of my depth tech end, if you will and it just felt like she was a third wheel in that you know her scene last week with the wonderful brett dalton much much better easily one of her highlights for the series I mean, I think that there has been a bigger shift in the show than we think um, because we maybe haven't taken a chance to step back. Whereas, you know, in season one, the characters were very driven kind of out of that. What are we going to do? Pitch it to me. And it was like Wonder Twin Q people from James Bond and older agent who's kind of like maternal and super strong guy, young agent and cool hacker and then you know like those were kind of i don't want to quite say archetypes but those were such clear um clear skeletons upon which you could build these characters now it's just kind of like sky is an agent just like may you know they're kind of the same you know they're both going to go out in the field and shoot the guns may's just better and then now they have the characters that are you know that are as real people are the skeleton and the kind of the job they do is less important and with this larger cast it's you know it's kind of 
you you know you have you have Mac as the tech guy and Fitz kinda you know um, I think there's just more people and less focus on you know like it's Voltron I am the head I am the arm it's like they're all kind of they're all robots Pete it's all connected Matt it's all connected um, so coming off that discussion there uh, uh, about the tech and everything there um you know colson is concerned about what he terms the five alarm fire that is lance hunter and as we see a little bit later and for that he's going to wind up in our dossier uh lance hunter's um motivations are really kind of uh nebulous at this point um so they're concerned about what he would give to Talbot. We see that uh, dropped off in a field by those army agents. Talbot does indeed come. He gives him a lift in a helicopter and they have this discussion and Hartley's uh, remains and a funeral and honors for her are something that weigh very important on Hunter's mind. We also get again, not in a cloying way, but in a direct way, uh, some exposition about uh, him. He was in the SAS. He had the uh, rank of lieutenant. And Talbot also refers to the group that he was with, a bunch of mouth-breathing mercs. (laughs) Um, A little tip to all you future screenwriters out there. You can absolutely get away with exposition when two people meet. Um, It's a perfect example of, are Mac and the other two characters really just standing around randomly being like, hey, you remember why Simmons left? But when Hunter meets Talbot, that's when you say his whole background with the UK Armed Forces, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Another kind of quiet function of this episode, there's this story arc of Hunter where it's not kind of like, you know, what Hunter did. Let's flash back. There he is on the run. It's not spelled out like that, but we get, I mean, this is a Hunter episode with, you know, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode running in parallel to it. Um, and of course, Pete, that, that episode ends with the, the kind request for, you know, for, for the burial of Isabel Hartley and also a cool two million. Yes, yes. Which, you know, guys got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, there, there was some techie stuff going on with Coulson, uh, on the computer there, the, uh, the, the air, you know, moving the swipes and the stuff like that. And some, some images of the 084, the obelisk, which portends, uh, you know, a little more heavily at the end of the episode. We're going to look at that specifically in level seven as a segment there. Okay. There's also some tension with sky, um, and Colson and she suggests maybe he take up yoga. He said he's not flexible, although downward facing Phil has a nice ring to it. Oh, geez. Um, the first of a number of, of chuckle lines given, and I'm officially going yellow alert on the idea. Like, are you going to keep Clark Gregg in the office every episode? doing a chuckle line every scene because if so you're misusing him and you're misusing our appreciation for him you want to throw a joke in there or or two fine it shouldn't be a somewhat i mean look these are kind of intentionally grown worthy jokes that he's telling 
um, you shouldn't have five or six in an episode, in my humble opinion. He did get in the field later, so I, I think, you know, <laughs> a that, literal that, field, no less. Yeah, that that trend is uh, well, no, he he was, uh, you know, there to put down uh, Creel with the with the device. True, 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 true. You know, my and, bad. And may may admonished him actually for for risking that. So, you know, I, I think that's important to point out um, the the Fitz and head Fitzsimmons stuff, uh, you know, leads Fitz to uh, pinch a packet. A research packet on uh, Creel's DNA, um, his memory issues being what they are. He's not sure of what he's done and when. Uh, and that device that he and Simmons worked on before she quote unquote abandoned um, Shield. Um, and, you know, Sky brought that across with a, a fair modicum of emotion. Um, you know, is obviously important in the context of this episode, um, you know, and the absorbing man who is still being trailed by uh, May um, has the obelisk. He's absorbed part of that and that is quickly taking him over. He happens to make contact with a waitress and uh, by the beginning of Act 3, she turns into the ashen statue that uh, we've seen before for unfortunate people that uh, touch this obelisk. It was such a nice addition that we can feel sympathetic for him. And the analogy I use is he's essentially Frankenstein's monster. He has this weird power that's turned him into this kind of touchy fetishist, you know, texture guy thing. You know, and, and and Hydra has taken advantage of that. Like, you know, Hydra's feeding his weird addiction. Um, so I don't think that we call Creel a bad guy on the same level as, like, you know, a true Hydra person who might have, you know, shot two really nice uh, prison guards in an elevator. Um, and in that scene, it's just like this poor guy is just freaking out. You know, he had more lines in, in this uh, episode than the other one. He's, you just get the sense he's kind of just a mentally slow kind of guy who just wants to be withdrawn and feeling his little, you know, rocks and pieces of wood and this and that, the other. And you end up feeling bad for the guy that he's just doing this thing. He happens to be on the bad guy side, but here he is kind of like a low level agent for somebody doing stuff that somebody tells him is important. And now he's like, you know, he can't, he can't do the thing he wants to do. And he's starting to freak out. A, uh, a nuanced performance from a textured bad guy. <laughs> um i get it act three okay and uh may has it out with colson she says you might be the director but not everything is on you hunter returns and i like that they again were direct there's no subterfuge here of selling out and all that kind of stuff colson wants to know you know what what's the deal and hunter comes with it he says you know in 48 hours i got to turn you over um fitz and mac uh are you know in the lab and the cloaking stuff comes up and the idea of talking to oneself and mac actually reveals he sings in the shower <laughs> and that i thought was uh was cute and we get to the ultimate uh you know uh moving towards a resolution of of creel and solving the issue with him 
when did that happen with that device and Simmons still a little bit unclear. What, what is so wonderful about that scene is that it, it gives Mac an opportunity to um, grow as a character. He kind of hasn't had certainly the, the panache introduction that, um, that, that uh, Hunter has. Um, but he kind of just has this moment as he's, you know, he's, he's sympathetic to what is troubling Fitz. And I don't think he's kind of blowing Fitz off in a way that other characters who are just frustrated that he's not the old Fitz and maybe kind of compartmentalizing like, Ack, I don't want to deal with my, you know, grief of this, you know, apparently permanent, you know, brain damage. Um, it, it was just nice to see Mac as this, you know, huge, huge jacked guy, you know, deep voice, looks tough, just kind of being like, you know, hey, let me, you know, I would believe if Mac doesn't sing in the shower. I think at the very least, he just wants to share something human and something kind and something mm-hmm. in common. And it was just, again, you know, did we do you get done watching the episode and say, wow, they really moved the ball in terms of, you know, introducing Mac as a person? No, but did they? Yeah, a ton. In the in the four scenes he was in, they they used that time not only to continue the Fitz plot and continue the gadget plot, but also to sell you a bit more in this character. Just well done across the board. Kudos to Henry Simmons there. Uh, he, he was quite a get for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Great job. He is not on Twitter just yet. We're going to have to get him on Twitter, but I think makes sense in that he shares that scene with Andy Kegister, who is on Twitter, but phobic, terrified <laughs> of the social media. Um, but that leads us to, you know, one of the two scenes I felt was the heart of this episode. We had Sky packing up Hartley's picture and there she is with her sister, you know, and uh, Hunter explains, you know, oh, her sister was her her favorite after me. Um, there's this medal, uh, breast cancer survivorship and the mother is brought up. They met through Hunter's psychotic ex-wife, and Hunter explains the secret, Matt. Don't get attached. Just don't get attached. It's uh, it's a job. It's not a way of life, I believe is the line. Yes, and, and you know, this is where I think they've, they've fallen a little bit backwards on Sky, and, and Sky's not an easy character to write for. She's not. Um, but, you know... It's immediately like a pre-programmed, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. is my life. <laughs> and, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is my life now, uh, she says. And, you know, it, it just kind of feels like, you know, here, um, you know, Hunter is saying, you know, we're, we're not mercenaries. We're private military contractors. You know, there's some subtlety there. And, you know, one thing... Uh, I think we can agree a little bit on Matt that we've talked about in the past is that Chloe Bennett needs to learn a little of the subtlety of acting, but here it's, it's on the line, not on her. Um, I disagree in that sky was a nobody with no past and, you know, working for red tide and this and that, the other and shield has, you know, shield and these people in shield have given her these a- people. Have <laughs> given that her, how you refer to Hydra? These people, <laughs> this specific band of of Shield agents 
has given her, you know, a home, a structure, a de facto, you know, family um, purpose greater than her own or kind of greater than like, I'm going to be on the fringe and like hack, you know, grainy. That's a different show, Matt. Fringe. (laughs) Uh, So is hack. Um, I mean, point being, I think that she is emotionally invested the way you know, look, would I be surprised to find out, you know, two years from now, May's had enough. And I'm not saying, you know, Ming-Na Wen has had enough. I'm just saying, like, May has had enough with all the blood and all the loss and all the stress. She's out. She's going to go, you know, cash in and get that house on the beach. Um, Sky, this is her identity, and I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, she's found, since she doesn't have a father figure, Pete, she's kind of found that in Coulson. Um, and just found so much. I, I think well, the way, you know, because how old is she? The, Probably 22, something like that. I could see that there's people in the military who maybe had a similar background to her, and it's just like, I love the military. I can't imagine it any different way because it gives me such pride and gives me such a place. But there's the rub, and that's where this is going, Matt, and, and we know that, is that, you know, they're going to test that shield is my life now, that, that simplest worldview went from having nothing to having them and now obviously with the father character and and everything going on there it's going to test that loyalty tremendously um so you know no wonder in episodic tv by episode seven that that an agent ward can be back you know at at some level in the fold you know she's going to be questioning is is this what she wants when we get such a strong shield is my my life now response okay and and hunter is very clear that that shield is a means to an end okay as this is happening creel uh is attempting to uh ward off the effects of the obelisk he tries absorbing ward off oh geez yeah ward off uh a lighter he tries listen brett dalton would be proud with the puns there um <laughs> tries absorbing a lighter what was the other substance denim <laughs> I, I couldn't um it was a, certainly a cloth of some sort yeah okay um you know the and, jeans man yes. lieutenant <laughs> levi <laughs> denim man it looks like he's from canada <laughs> um you know the, okay. the canadian the canadian tuxedo <laughs> so uh you know he's trying to contact uh his handler at the same time he's unable to do that um you know then he makes a call and uh actually he answers a call and then uh reina our girl in the flower dress last seen in the finale which is really only two episodes ago <laughs> but obviously longer in terms of time uh, shows and uh, she offers him the olive branch here. She is an admirer of his abilities, as we know she admires gifts. Uh, of course, she floats this uh, this carbine made from stardust, this device, which I instantly tweeted, Matt, what? Uh, it has a tracker. And minutes later, we learned... It has a tracker. It has a tracker. So there you go. It's three times harder than diamond. It can store energy. He likes to touch things. Yada, yada. He takes it. He says it's the cost of doing business. Of course, she meant for him to take it. Probably would have made <laughs> him take it. Okay. By the way, uh, her, her performance, in, or maybe, you know, Reina's performance she's giving to Creel, in addition you know, to the mm-hmm. actress... 
It was sexy. It was seductive. It was a smidge over the top, but I think totally appropriate for. Oh, she does a good job. That actress does a very good job. Like, Um, and and again, I think if she was trying to seduce somebody who who was less um, worldly, I think it would have been over the top. But I think it was just kind of that, you know, hey sailor, bat of the eyelashes. Hey, I have some carbide here. You know, it was. It, it it was spot on. It was showing how, you know, like we were in on the fact that she was manipulating him and not, you know, right. actually in love. Um, of course, that nice addition and clarification that she is anti-Hydra, kind of that, you know, enemy of my enemy is sort of my friend. Right. You know, and in and, and the phone call with Coulson, you know, she she says, you know, they're so 1945. And I love that they couched it in the year two. Um, you know, given the, the flashback that we had in the season two opener. Um, but, you know, Raina says she thinks Coulson understands the obelisk. And with everything that we knew at that point of the episode of his episode in the past where we had seen him at the end of the season one finale scrawling the Creefidi, the uh, the hieroglyphics, seen at three or four points during season one uh, on the wall there. Um, Including, see- let's not forget, all the way back in episode 104, I Spy, when yes. word breaks into the secret compound there, yes. it's on the wall. Exactly. So, so, you know, I mean, joking aside, you know, it's all connected, hashtag, holy crow, they've been in- including this stuff since, you know, the, the genesis of the series, essentially. Right. She talks about you know, Garrett and him, uh, you know, Colson sharing the connection with the, um, the Tahiti given, uh, GH three, two, five, and that Garrett had these visions before, uh, he died. And, you know, she wants to know more about this herself. Um, Hunter, meanwhile, uh, chafes at using the icers to go in, Soon enough, though, as Act 5 begins, he promptly ices Trip, uh, goes rogue, okay? Um, Creel is uh, meeting with his handler, his boss. Did we ever get a name on that British-speaking guy? I don't think we've gotten one yet. I don't believe so, no. Yeah. So um, there's a phrase that's used that compliance will be rewarded, and he talks him through uh, holding off... um, the effects of the obelisk there and he's able to push it off. So there's something going on with his boss, his handler, as far as knowledge and, and the key phrase. Yeah. Used. I, I kind of got that, you know, brainwashy kind yeah, of vibe there. Definitely. Mind over matter. Um, <laughs> Matt, we've praised the effects in the first two episodes here, you know, key in that um you know so hunter takes the sniper rifle and fires a round off in slow motion and um creel coolly deflects it that was very very well done it was and i am sure that the way they did the slow-mo in that scene was to have everybody freeze you know hire a bunch of mimes and I'm convinced of it. That's just, and I mean, maybe they then further slowed it down in, you know, in editing or that kind of thing. But that's just kind of what makes sense. You get to have a clean, effects-free shot that way. Right. Um, then you build those effects on top of it. P.S. With probably the one guy that isn't a mime, 
if he moves a little bit, it's because he's transmognifying into, you know, uh, was it metal? You know. Right. Um, but yeah, great scene. And then in the next scene you're about to describe, e- equally amazing special effects. Yes. When Coulson jumps in with uh, the device there, um, you know, uh, to save Hunter. And he turns invisible, thought maybe he was going to turn into glass and and breaks. But, you know, we learned by the end of the episode, he is not dead. Um, He is, in fact, in stasis and he is uh, a present for uh, Brigadier uh, General Talbot. I was convinced as well that it was going to be glass and Coulson's going to come up to him, kind of look at him disapprovingly and, you know, hit him with a gun butt or whatever, but certainly it's a better choice to hang on to the character because it literally could be like, and the army puts him in a prison forever, or it could be bring him back next week, the week after, you know, whenever it is, he's just kind of, you know, there along with, uh, you you know, along with a a myriad of other options story-wise. And um, it's, it's, it's open, it's available. I mean, why, why close that door when, if you're done with him, great. Let him keep him on the bench. Don't don't cut his butt. The discussion in the writer's room had to be too, you know, if we turn him into glass and we have Samuel Jackson out there and the opportunity that he would say, they call me Mr. Glass because I break like glass was just probably something they couldn't get into. So they, they couldn't go there. Or like may, maybe like all the pieces like start to melt and come together and then yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. like, He's reforming. Yes. But uh, Scout's Honor, Hunter, you were never a Boy Scout. And if Coulson looked at his map, he probably would realize, you know, if the guy's British. Although the question I have out to one of our sources in Britain, are the Boy Scouts of America in, in Britain? I don't know. I just don't know. So, you know, Coulson's no dummy either. We flash forward. Well, Pete, to... I happen to have an answer for oh, that. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. Uh, using my sources on the Wikipedia. Oh, uh, there's the British Boy Scouts and British Girl Scouts Association. Of um, America? That goes all the way back to 1908. Uh, founded by Major W.G. Whitby, which is just about as uh, British-y as you get. Okay. Um, so flash forward to Hartley's funeral. Her sister in attendance. Um Hunter puts the metal on the rear view mirror. Colson is there and they have a discussion. Uh, it's really kind of a recruitment type of speech. And then Colson says, I want you to sell me out. Uh, discussion is also uh, centered on the fact that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is lucky they still have their George Foreman grill. Grown. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was one joke too many, and I think <laughs> there's still one more joke to go. Yeah. Um, but certainly it sets up nicely um, the, the, that uh, final scene. I'm, uh, pardon me, I was getting mixed up between that and a, the penultimate scene. Um, but it sets up nicely where Coulson's looking to um, kind of make a trade-off. Yes, and uh, Mac and Fitz talk about the uh, the anti creel device there that Simmons was involved with. Um, so we get no actual Simmons again for the second straight episode, only head Simmons. Uh, Sky talks about how she's glad Fitz is at least talking to someone. 
Um, but she says something is wrong with Coulson, which May denies. Seconds later, of course, May is in Coulson's uh, office and they talk about how it's been 18 days since your last episode. So not only she's aware of the problems, she is helping to keep time with those problems. Suddenly there's a drop cloth, a wall, a knife, and the Creefiti starts again. Colson is doing this, although Matt, what was different this time? Um his shoes were off and May was taking pictures. May was taking pictures, which I thought was a very interesting aspect to this. This has a total Close Encounters vibe. I guess they thought it would have been too close if he was playing with his food. <laughs> I mean, certainly there's um, this is the long term story for the season. Now, whether the season is going to be, you know, as we've discussed before, is it going to be season, you know, 2A for these 10 episodes and 2B for the you know, subsequent 10, 11, 12 um, or for the entire season, um, whatever it might be. This is the long-term thing. And I think it's to their benefit that they're keeping it kind of in the background, particularly if they're looking to pick up new viewers, which ratings would suggest they have, um, you know, to just say, oh, yeah, that's like a long-term thing. And, you know, last season there was like some stuff with an alien, whatever um, you can say to a new person, um, as opposed to like, and now the hunt for the latest Cree clue. It's, I mean, it's all there, but it's kind of wrapped up in like, there's this alien weird box thing. It's not like about Coulson's brain, you know? Right. Our final scene of the episode proper features Reyna with the obelisk. And in comes uh, a character we've at least not seen by his face, at least in light just yet. Uh, but it's easily identifiable as veteran actor Kyle McLaughlin, who we know is Sky's father particularly because she says, bring me, he, he says, bring me my daughter. But uh, she praises, he praises uh, Raina, you did well. Um, and he tells her to pick up the obelisk he needs to know. She picks it up, it glows orange. Uh, she's like, yay, you know, and he says, it let you live. That's the difference. So bring me my daughter. Pete, Kyle McLaughlin, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound, uh, well, I don't want to, I, I don't know what, what I want, don't want to sound like, but Kyle McLaughlin looks fantastic uh, for his age. I, I was just kind of surprised, particularly since, you know, Bill Paxton, you know, time catches up with all of us, but Kyle McLaughlin at age 55 just looks fantastic. He does, and I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to add to this show in this role. Our tag scene, as we alluded to before, features a meeting, the, the sellout between Colson and Talbot. Uh, there are Suburbans. Uh, there's reference to um, Hunter being back at the playground watching an episode of Cake Boss, which was snappy. Uh, Matt doesn't like it. Okay. <laughs> um, but the whole thing about Creel being in stasis and handing him over um, Talbot doesn't want the deal. Okay. So the artillery arrives in the bus decloaking and then Colson gets into the Quinjet, the stolen Quinjet that, that cloaks. 
Um, and the iceberg is referenced here, just the tip of the iceberg. Colson just wants to make sure the iceberg gets away before it runs out of fuel. So this is smoke and mirrors, literally, figuratively, with the cloaking devices. And uh, Colson is is really kind of patching it together, going through what he's going through with the the personal problems, with the professional problems and everything else. And it's going to get a whole lot more interesting next week. And as referenced earlier, this is the payoff scene, uh, obviously for the cloaking stuff. It also fits his mumbling about like, oh, when you cloak sound waves, turning sound wave, you know, the fact they had two jets sitting there, one literally hovering straight above and you didn't hear anything. Another example of how well constructed the plot is in this episode. Indeed. With that, Pete, shall we move on? We shall. The dossier. All right, a detailed look at our bad guys here. We've mentioned uh, them all by name, except for the one guy we don't really have a name on just yet. But we will start with Talbot. Um, refers to Coulson as a vigilante, as a zealot reluctant to take the offer here of Creel and uh, really convinced that uh, Coulson is dangerous. And given what we know and what May has watched with the graffiti, he might actually be on to something, Matt. Yeah, as I said last week, and I stand by it 100%, um, Talbot is not a bad guy. He's just someone who is in opposition to our hero, therefore, he kind of comes off as a bad guy in terms of you know dramatic function. But Talbot's a good guy. These are just two guys that are at different places and different uh, you know areas of responsibility. But Talbot is a good guy. He made reference to being in the service of a senator with deep pockets. Um, is this Gary Shandling's since arrested uh, Hydra? um politician or is this somebody else um i i mean i think certainly it is not the gary shandling um character i i would hope it's not senator kelly because uh that's probably a 20th century fox character at this point and if it is yeah. some people are going to be in trouble they are with the the special people um but, uh, you know, so he's out there as uh, an even bigger bad, um, if we will indeed get this senator by name and by character. Creel remains, uh, Carl Creel, the absorbing man, remains a very real threat in this episode. I like that they kept him through this episode and where we thought he was dead. He remains in play. Um, I think the show you know, through one season and two episodes has been smart to not get rid of bad guys that Raina has been around nearly a calendar year on the show used smartly. Great. That Garrett was in, in uh, you know, Bill Paxton, uh, you know, so well used and deployed uh, particularly throughout the Hydra stuff in the second half of the season last year, you know, the, the Mike Peterson Deathlock stuff who we're going to see again, you know, I, I just think it's wise to keep them in play. You know, you should, you should kill your darlings. And that's one thing, you know, Matt, you mentioned uh, aspiring screenwriters. Well, we actual screenwriters, we know, you know, you, you have to do that, but it's also a challenge and you, you know, you, you keep them around and it can be done. 
<laughs> Indeed. Pete, who else is on your dossier? Uh, Reina. The return of Reina here is a, is a big deal. Um, the so-called girl in the flower dress. And we've seen her play both sides before, you know, when, when Garrett was revealed to be the clairvoyant and everything there. She <laughs> grew disenchanted that he did not have the power. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, when he, uh, you know, took the GH325 as his uh, parts were failing there, he, he had briefly, you know, that transcendence. And, and she wants these gifts. She is interested in powers she is aligned now with Sky's father, um, you know, and he is certainly somebody that, uh, you know, I don't think we include him on the dossier tonight only because we don't really get uh, intention at this point other than wanting his daughter. Well, uh, uh, Pete, he was introduced tonight uh, washing what is presumably blood off his hands. For the, believe, second yeah, time. the second time. So. For the second time, yes. But I, again, I, I'm going to leave him off only because he doesn't get an opportunity to act in the episode proper with those intentions. I think that And I think raised... we're going to get more of him, you know, obviously, and, and that – character will be revealed go ahead sure sure i think that you raise a good point though which is it appears that reina um comes from the venue of uh of you know the age of miracles people as opposed yeah. to the hydra army people um and that that's an important uh, i think distinction to keep in mind especially ahead of you know heading to avengers 2 with with um you know the age of miracles and all that Yes, although I think it's it's worth pointing out, you know, Baron uh, von Strucker, you know, member of Hydra, yet you know, and talking about Hydra's good work around the world, yet willing to feed parts of that organization to Captain America and his colorful friends. Oh, sorry, my my Hydra accent came came through there for a second. <clears throat> um, but you know that there's nothing more terrifying than a miracle. And, um, you know, these powers that, that some people have either been blessed or cursed with and, and what they mean and what they can do. That's really where we're going in terms of the theme and the thesis within this universe for the foreseeable future. The other character we're really bound to mention, if only by reference, is, you know, Creel's boss, his handler, this British speaking uh, character. Don't have a name on him. Who is he? What's the, the gain there? I can only assume he's with Dr. Whitehall of Hydra. Um, so, again, you know, the Hydra on the one side, the people who can get along with Hydra when they need to yet have more of an interest in, you know, the powers that can be unlocked through these uh, unusual artifacts and devices. Um, by the way, Pete, some online sources refer to uh, the, the mysterious British man as uh, Bakshi. Although I certainly have not heard that. I, that um, has not been spoken on screen to this point. Now, if it's been credited in the credits, um, <laughs> I certainly haven't seen it, but I mean that's um, that that's what I'm getting from secret online sources. Suddenly, Bakshi. There you go. Welcome to level seven. 
Okay, time to theorize and analyze. Matt Sky says the weird symbols on the obelisk uh, were like Braille, um, that she's seen them before uh, with uh, some of the writing there, okay, that Coulson's been quote-unquote researching. Boy, is he ever. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's, it's nice that she feels she's being kept out but she is the second most trusted person in this particular issue, the first being May. Um, and it's a tidy bit of business that here they're going after this, you know, this 084, which is apparently directly connected to these symbols, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and kudos to the show, frankly. I mean, I know that, you know, famously at, uh, at um, New York Comic Con last year, uh, um, Jeff, um, Jeff, uh, Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb Loeb was a little dismissive of, you know, two lengthy storylines a la Lost, in his opinion, uh, despite the fact that he worked on writing staff for season two. Um, They gave us, I mean, what does this mysterious thing do other than turn people to ash? Uh, We saw it in this episode tonight. Raina grabs it. What makes Raina different? um, It's a lava lamp. It's a space lava lamp. (laughs) Well, actually, Pete, I would like to announce right now that I... um, have been able to decode it. Okay. It, it is a uh, recipe for potato salad. There you go. Which um, might impact ratings on the show once that's revealed to everyone. Just going to throw that out there. It's a little bit of a letdown. But um, joking aside, I thought that it was great that it did something different this week. And we got like, oh, so therefore that's opening other doors to, you know, what does uh, Papa McLaughlin know? What does Raina know? What, what makes her different? So on and so forth. And, um, really just moving the ball forward with this mystery. Matt, what is going on with Coulson and the hieroglyphics? I suspect that they both have put two and two together, he and May, and that it's um, something extraterrestrial and it's best to, it's best to get this stuff out of his head and recorded. P.S. Sky has nondescript, versions of those photographs you know obviously without you know colson the artiste in them um so there's kind of this you know um you know may knows a certain amount and then she hands it off to sky who's researching it but doesn't know what it is um so i I mean that's that's a nice connection there that again in the background of these stories this ongoing story is happening without a lot of disruption for like and tonight we're gonna talk more about this thing right. and then not talk about it for four for four weeks it's just it's just continuing to be talked about in the background it's ongoing and you know it, it will continue to be it's not going to be tidy in terms of okay week four we're done with that um and that's as it should be that's really you know part of this first skein of episodes in the in the front half of the season um switching gears matt um where is Simmons? This abandonment that uh, Sky threw at her memory like a rock. I hope it's something good. I mean, look, she had Shield credentials, of course. It's not. Oh my, my! Well, as you know, Simmons is a favorite of mine. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, the fact that she was involved with Shield. You don't just go to, you know, IBM and be like, I'd like to work in your, you know, lab. I have a great credential. I worked at S.H.I.E.L.D. They're going to be like, get out, you terrorist. 
Um, Hydra is always hiring, though. Ooh, Pete, don't say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I I will be disappointed if it's like Simmons went back to the north of England, where now she works in a pub. Like if if it's just kind of like Simmons on the run or Simmons turning her back on the the awful shield that did this to her and disappointed her. It'll be a letdown. I know a popular theory online uh, on Twitter was she's on a secret mission for Colson that only Colson knows about and everybody else thinks she's left. Um, Not bad. Well, they talked about compartmentalization yeah. again tonight, and, and that was a theme leading up to and out of Captain America, you know, Captain America not knowing the other mission on the Lemurian star where Black Widow was there to get intel. He was there to rescue the hostages and it's a need to know basis. That's not a new idea in the, in the spy world or even the intelligence, you know, gathering and, and, you know, enforcement, um, angle of it. But, you know, I like that we've had the head character of Simmons and that, you know, we can keep the lovely Elizabeth Hensridge involved in these last two episodes. But at the same time, it's kind of become a cliche, not here, just in general, that type of, of storytelling. So I'm anxious to finally see real world Simmons next week. Ooh, well, I mean, I was about to say, having not seen the preview and having not not the spoiler connections that you do that, <sighs> that um they, they can only keep this up for so long particularly since we see mac kind of drop the truth bomb on fits um and i had wondered is he doing this on purpose does right. he i mean surely it must be on purpose everybody gets that he has this brain damage and sees somebody who isn't there right um i think mac kind of sees the in and is like essentially hey talk to me about this stuff and has a successful communication where Fitz's head talk doesn't work. The the long shot of Simmons, you know, head Simmons off in the distance, I can only read as they're bringing this to a close, if only for Fitz to um, reject, you know, re- reject the fantasy, reject the, the illusion. Um, whether she's back next week or the following week, I, I wouldn't say it's much longer than that in my, in my, my, my pure eyes, not knowing what the future holds. Should we refer to Head Simmons as Himmons? <laughs> I think the Head Simmons will will do just fine, particularly uh, in episodes involving Lucy Lawless. Yeah. Um, so moving forward here, uh, getting to see her, excited to uh, to get that end of the story. Let's talk about uh, McLaughlin's Sky Father uh, character. No name there yet. Sky uh, Dad, Sky Dad, um, S- Sky Father, Skywalker. Um, the why is of he Skywalker constantly cleaning lives. blood off of his hands? I get the figurative blood on the hands, but that literally each time we've seen him, he's he's covered in blood. What's going on there? I can't even begin to to guess, other than to say, I mean, obviously it's creepy. I mean. I guess our options are it's either somebody else's blood and he's, you know, a bad, bad, bad man, or it's some sort of power thing. You know, like when he reads brain scans, he bleeds, you know, something like that. 
maybe slightly leaning towards the latter because I believe his introduction in the season finale, he was in a room with two armed guards, as I recall, Mm -hmm. um, and seemed bloody. So it wasn't like he was bloodying them. Uh, It didn't seem that they had bloodied him. I'm going to go the secret power route, but I, I really couldn't guess beyond that. I think we're just going to have to wait, or at least you're going to have to wait, Matt. No new iTunes reviews for us in our mailbag, Matt. Uh, So we will just remind our uh, listeners that we love your feedback. Uh, We love it when you uh, put a new review up for us on iTunes. We are... And we have plans to incentivize that again this year. Last year, we had a little raffle in the season finale for an Agent Coulson uh, Funko Pop vinyl bobblehead. Uh, So there will be some goodies down the way. But, uh, you know, leave your reviews on iTunes. We will read them on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we really take that feedback uh, and the time that you take to take that feedback and leave that feedback to heart. So thank you. And uh, certainly you don't need to wait for the contest to do the review. I mean, I, it'll just going to be open from, from the start of the season. So, uh, so there's that to look forward to. Pete, do you know what else people look forward to? You're going to tell me. They look forward to interacting with you on Twitter. How can people talk with you on the Twitter sphere blog? com. <laughs> well, 4,237 followers can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. You can get in touch with the podcast by saying hello to us. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a P-H. You can head to the dot com, the Gmail, and the Twitter. And with that, Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the vaunted, a famous, a final word. I'm in the wind or three sheets to it. <laughs> <laughs>